the 2021 injury riddled NBA season has come to a close as Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks pulled out a 4-2 series win over the Phoenix Suns to become NBA champions for the first time in 50 years. Welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, you know the deal. On this episode, we'll be joined by Iowa Jai as we will recap the NBA final series between the Bucks and the Suns. We will revisit our legacy conversation from two weeks ago and see who helped their legacy and who didn't. We will also discuss which team is more likely to make it back to the finals next year or in the short term future, as well as the future of CP3. And of course, don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, you know the drill by now. The NBA Finals is in the books. We'll be joined shortly by a guest, one of my good friends, Iowa Jai, who will be joining very shortly to recap the NBA Finals. But in the meantime, while we're waiting on that, B, what a series, what a game. We got a lot to get to. Dude, I don't even know where to start his story. That I mean, just like from what we watched, yesterday's game got to be in the top three games, like performances by one person in our lifetime. No, no question. And we'll get to a lot about Giannis and, and that performance because it was simply incredible. And yesterday was one thing, but for me, just the entire series itself was just I mean, I, I have no words, but we'll get into all of that. We'll also revisit our legacy talk, how we talked about two weeks ago, how we knew that this series was a big opportunity for both Chris Paul and Giannis Antetokounmpo and which one will it impact more or less. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. We'll also look ahead to the future of Chris Paul and also the Bucks' future as well, but Let's get this thing started, and we will welcome in our guest for today's episode. Good friend of mine, used to ball, still a beast on the court. Be he's just a beast in general. Iowa Jai, my guy, welcome to Baller Island. Mochi mochi, one two one two. Welcome, Io. We got a lot to talk about. I know you've been pro Bucks from day one. You picked them. You picked them to win the finals. Um, but we have a, a lot to get to, and I guess um, we'll start with you, and then B, you can chime in after of your thoughts, and I guess we'll start with yesterday, if you have any more thoughts on the entire series itself, but what are your thoughts on the Bucks taking it game six, or really the entire series? I think I think it was what was meant to happen. The Suns coach, like, I don't know much about him, but I've heard, like, he's supposed to be this really great coach, but, like, he just refused to build the wall. Like, all the times Giannis is lost in the playoffs is because teams build a wall. And this man just lets DeAndre Aiden just play Giannis one-on-one, and that hasn't worked. So I, I saw this coming from a mile away. Well, well, actually, one of the coaches that me and Jay been trashing all, all postseason is Mike Budenhoser. And uh, to me, he actually he adjusted really well. They were down 0-2. Yeah. And the first two games, it was just a, a barrage of threes from the corners, especially. And the fact that, you know, Milwaukee adjusted, they took the head off the snake by taking Chris Paul out the game. They're like, Booker, you, you can score all you want. You're not going to beat us just shooting mid-range jumpers all day. And that yeah. was a big adjustment. So, Bud, we thought Bud's job might have been lost after if they lost on uh, Brooklyn series. But he kept his job for another 10 years, maybe. Yeah, no, I think I think the most important adjustment he he made he made um Holiday pick up um Paul like three quarters of the of the whole court. So Paul was getting like he was getting pressured pretty much the whole game. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I don't I don't know about ten years, but I mean, since you both brought up Monty Williams and Budenholzer, I guess I'll start my thoughts with those two. And it is quite ironic how. Be you and I when we were talking before the series started, we were saying how Monty Williams had the advantage because he has shown throughout the playoffs that he's able to adjust more so than Bud has. 
Yet in this series, it was Bud that showed more adjustments than Monty <laughs> Williams did, which is just very ironic. And I think we can cut the slack and that all the trash talk that we've been having on Mike Budenholzer. And I just want to do shout out and give him the credit where it's due. Congratulations to Mike Budenholzer on being an NBA champion, coaching oh, a great team. He has really, I mean, it's been, it's, it had, it's not like it's been easy for him, you know, coming in in his first year, one seed, losing to Toronto when they were up 2-0, and then come back next year as the one seed again, and then falling to Miami and losing Giannis for the remainder of the playoffs. It seemed like that was how it was going to go again this year when Giannis went down in the Atlanta series, but that didn't seem to happen. But as for Monty Williams, um, the honest truth is he is a very, very good head coach. Um, yes, there was definitely some flaws exposed in this series, no question. I think the biggest issue, and I think this is something Phoenix has to address going into the offseason, they need more length. Because I think that was the biggest thing for me when I looked at this series is Phoenix was such a good, well-rounded team, which is why I picked them. And because the Bucks were so inconsistent, that's why I thought Phoenix had the advantage. But in the end, Milwaukee was just too big, too strong, and DeAndre Ayton could only do so much. And for me, I think DeAndre Ayton struggled a lot in this series, and I wasn't impressed. And I know he's still very young, and this is very, very valuable experience for him. And then you saw Frank Kaminsky come off the bench and give good minutes, which, you know, B, you called that out a few weeks ago too. You know, Kaminsky came in, did a nice job, but the Suns need more. And if they're going to try and beat a team like Milwaukee, which has length all over the goddamn court, Phoenix has got to do a lot better, but I do want to congratulate the Suns on an incredible season and Monty Williams, what he's done. Sky's the limit for Phoenix. You think they can come back? And so, I, I, you know, I, I guess we can, we can go right into that since you bring that up and looking at both of them. For me personally, I think Phoenix has a much tougher road ahead of them. I think the Bucs are, are set up for success because when you look at the East – they, you you look at it and you're like, well, there's Brooklyn, but they're so injury prone. When I look at the Bucks, I'm like, I love their chances. I go on right back to the finals again next year if they keep this crew together. As for Phoenix, the West is only going to get healthier. B and I talked about this last week, really all playoffs, that one of the biggest reasons the Suns were even here was because they faced a Kawhi Leonard-less Clippers AD missed the last two games of the Lakers series, and they didn't have to face Jamal Murray in the Nuggets series. So the, so the Suns saw the benefit of the doubt there. So, And then, of course, there goes the question of where does the future lie for Chris Paul? So we don't know where he's going. Is he going to leave Phoenix? Is he going to stay? There's a lot of question marks for the Phoenix Suns, so I like the Bucks' chances a lot more. B, what, are, what do you think? Man, I think it's, it's pretty. I think I'm with you. Bucks. Like Giannis not leaving, he would have been a free agent this year. Him signing his extension last year is like so much respect for that dude to not allow him to go to a free agency and join a super team. He could have gone join Luca, could have had the LA glam. Raptors been telling him since he got into the league. He's like, nah, I'm staying in Milwaukee. Love it. He's as long as he's there, they're gonna be in contention. On the other side, Chris Paul's a free agent. He's gonna opt out of his deal. And he's trying to get paid, right? He doesn't want he's, he wants a, a multiple year deal. And Phoenix, the owner in Phoenix, has been always been the dude never to pay guys ever. Always shortchanges them. Always lowballs them. So I really would not be surprised to see if Chris Paul bounces and he goes to LA, plays with LeBron, or he goes somewhere else. But I would really not be surprised if he leaves. Yo, what do you think going forward for Phoenix and Milwaukee? No, I think the, I think if everybody stays healthy in the East, it's always going to be Bucks and um, Nets in the semifinals. But I'm not sure Phoenix can even go to the semifinals ever again. Yeah, that's that's what I mean, right? I think Phoenix is a really good team. They're only going to grow from here. But I think the thing here is. How much can they grow when you look at the star power in the West? Because when Jamal Murray comes back, Denver's going to be a problem. We know the Lakers are always going to be a problem as long as LeBron's there. We know Kawhi's coming back with a vengeance. You know the Clippers are going to come back you know, with, with a chip on their shoulder. And then Portland, of course, we don't know what's going on with Dame, if he's going to stay or he's going to leave. There's a lot of star power in the West, and I just don't know if that's 
you know, right, let me, I, let me, let me, let me go the other way. One second. You mentioned all those teams. I could be, I could say the opposite. I could be like, you, the West is such a question mark. You don't know, right? You could be like, absolutely in, in a few months. We could be like, Dame's not even in the West. Right. Anthony Davis is always injury prone. So maybe the Lakers, you know, never get back to it. LeBron's getting a little bit older. Maybe Clay hasn't played basketball in two years. So maybe, you know, Golden State's not back there. Jamal Murray's going to miss at least half the year. Kawhi's going to miss the whole year and, or maybe like come back in a month left. So like the door can be open for Phoenix. But I, to me personally, I just don't believe that. I feel like this was just set up too perfectly. I feel like it was almost like Miami's run last year. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I do agree with that. And you're right. I mean, that's what sports is, right? It's so 50-50 that really you never know what can happen. I mean, that's really what happened this year. We all thought it was going to be Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers the whole time. And yet both of them went down because no one could have scripted AD. Well, I mean, AD is so injury prone. We probably could have scripted that. But Kawhi going down, Kawhi going down, you know, not a lot of us thought that that was going to happen. So all these things happen and you can't really script it. So I do agree with that. You never know what can happen going forward. But I just think the odds are stacked against Phoenix, at least in the short-term future. In the long-term future, I, I like Phoenix being able to compete year in, year out because now they have this experience. Monty Williams has built this incredible culture in literally two years, which is way, like, they're way ahead in terms of their culture change from when he took over the job to where they are now. So now it's starting, you know, now the door's open for them to be able to compete year in, year out. So it'll be very interesting. But as for the Bucks, man, this is... This is far from over for them. Like, you know, and we talked about this prior to how BU brought this up in the preview of how it took Jordan some time to get to win a title, took LeBron some time to win his first title. Giannis has now gotten there. And I know I, when you and I have been talking in the past few days, you've brought it up as well. If Giannis keeps working on his game, this is going to be a problem going forward for the rest of not just the East, not 26. Yeah, not just the East, but the entire league. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's scary. Wait, what do you guys think of um of James Harden staying in silence? So finally yesterday, every NBA player started tweeting to acknowledge what Giannis has done. What <laughs> there's been crickets from James Harden. I'm I'm it's, not even go ahead, expected. B. Yeah, it's expected. It's nothing crazy. But I I have a question for both of you. I'm like, I really don't think Giannis has even reached, I would say, maybe 80% of, like, his ceiling. I don't even think he's close to it. He gets a jump shot. He hit his free throws yesterday. But imagine if he's like that all the time. He'd be averaging 35 a game. Yeah, they'd have to kick him off the league if he gets a jump shot. No question. I mean, he, he, like, where Giannis is right now is incredible. And, I mean... I just I I want to just shift the focus here to Giannis and stop talking about everyone else because this 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 performance in the postseason was simply incredible. It was one of the most sensational, legendary performances I've ever seen. And honestly, I don't I don't know a lot about Greek mythology, but goddamn, <laughs> I know there's Zeus, Poseidon, and all these dudes. But man. Giannis Antetokounmpo better be in that damn conversation going forward about Greek gods because this performance was simply sensational from we didn't even read, know if he was going to play in the first few games. We were like, oh my God, he goes down. What's going to happen? And there's so many if ands or buts heading into this. There's so many question marks going into this series. And yet this dude comes up, drops 40 plus in three of these games, 26-20, and 32 in the other three. Double-double in five out of the six games. Are you kidding me? That is, like, that is the definition of great. And I loved watching that. That was just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm happy I was able to just witness it. And, I mean, man, I, 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 just, I had to get that off my chest, man. It was an absolutely incredible, legendary performance. B, what are your thoughts? And I, you can go after and the fact that he did it on both sides, too. He had five blocks yesterday, was everywhere. And then, really, the, the highlight of the series was his block on Aiden at the end of that game. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, he literally plays 110% on both sides, every possession. There's nothing more you could ask for. Like, literally, 
best offensive player in the game, best defensive player in the game. He's like, nobody can stop me in the post. I'm not settling. I'm just driving, dunking on these dudes every time. You're not going to get a bucket on me either. Yeah, man. I thought LeBron was, in terms of, like, durability and motor, I thought LeBron was peak. And then I saw yesterday's game. I was like, Jesus. Well, look at this. Giannis came 6'11 into the league and, like, 196. And dude built himself up, still 6'11", but 242 pounds. Like, the work he's put in to get to where he is right now is, like, it's impressive, man. Yeah, it's, again, it's what he was able to do. And, and I think this is something that, you know, we can have a topic for this offseason is just talking about some of the great performances in NBA Finals history and really, you know, some of the best players in this generation. Because I think, you know, when we talk about the legacy talk and we talk about Chris Paul and Giannis, obviously the two main guys that we were talking about in this series, this was just simply great by Giannis. Chris Paul, I feel like, didn't do enough to kind of impact the game as much as he would have liked to. Although his stats seemed like he was still there. He was still present. He was still putting up numbers, but it just wasn't enough. But Giannis, you can feel his impact on the game. It's like one simple block can just change the momentum of the game, especially at home. If you get one crazy block and the crowd goes wild, it changes everything for you. And I think the Bucks, what? They only lost, what, once at home all playoffs long? That's incredible. And honestly, I'll be honest with you there, that also goes with the luck of having fans in the stadium. I know some people may think how big of an impact it is and how it's not. It makes a massive difference. What about the 65,000 outside the stadium too? How about that? And incredible simply incredible and we saw the same thing it's it's funny this this finals run was very raptors yeah Yeah, that's exactly where i was going very raptors-esque like right haven't won in a long time well that was the raptors first one ever but you know what it was it still had that feeling of like milwaukee's first finals ever it had that feeling of that and the way how Giannis kind of carried himself by saying you know, I stayed loyal. I didn't want to join a super team and any of that stuff. And here he is winning a finals. And he went through a lot of heartbreak. His first, his rookie season with him and Middleton, they won 15 games the entire season. They were awful. And then they lost to Chicago in like 2014. They lost to the Raptors in 2016. Then they lost the be your Celtics in seven games, yeah. a tough series there. Then they lose to the that Raptors again. That, that was again. Eric Bledsoe. That was an Eric Bledsoe one. Hilarious. Facts, yeah, and then they lost the Raptors again in the conference finals up to woe. And then I, I talked about losing to Miami last year and then coming back this year and winning the whole thing. So it's not like this was an easy road. And I respect the hell out of what even, Giannis even, and his team even did. Even this postseason, they were down 0 2 against Brooklyn, they got 50 in one of those two games. Then they won the next, then they win four out of the next five. Then in, in the next series, they lose game one in Milwaukee against Atlanta. Giannis goes down in the last two games. They close it out in six. We don't know Giannis is going to play in this game. They dropped the first two games here, and then they sweep them pretty much from there on out. I even thought Milwaukee outplayed them in game two. It's just the fact that Phoenix hit 23s or whatever it was, and they just shot the lights out. But they really outplayed them. We talk about Bud's adjustment. They really outplayed them the last five games. Yeah, I definitely agree. It and it it definitely felt like that. And game three definitely felt like it was the switch that things were going Phoenix's way. Like you mentioned, they dropped twenty threes in game two, and then they just couldn't hit anything after that. They were dry, and it just was not. You know, th- there wasn't any imph in it. Like I didn't again. I just didn't feel anything from Phoenix. I didn't feel any life in them that they had in the prior series. But I, and it just seems like Milwaukee wanted it more at that point. But, I mean, it is what it is. But I'll say this before B and I will talk about, you know, the legacies between both players later on in the episode. But, Io, I do want to get your take on that and what you have to say about, obviously, I, I know how you feel about Giannis. But Chris <laughs> Paul, but Chris Paul, what would you say, how bad do you think this finals damage to his legacy? No, I don't think... Yeah, I've heard that take before. I don't think it damages his legacy much. It's just... To me, I felt like the whole 
Suns team, it's like it's almost like they weren't playing to win. They were like playing to prove a point. Because if they were playing to win, they would do their best to build that wall. But it, it's like they wanted to prove that they could just play Giannis one on one, and it just it just doesn't work. But as yeah. far as Chris Paul's legacy, I'm, he'll be fine. I don't think it's gonna damage it that much. Yeah, no, I I agree, and and B, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode as well. But I think for me, I'll I'll save more of it from that. But I will say as well, I do agree with you, Io, on that. I think that Chris Paul again is an incredible player. He'll always be known for that. But I feel like this was this was just the missing piece to the puzzle. Yeah, I, I think I, this was his chance, man. Right, and I yeah. think and, and and sure you can do what you want. You can go team up with LeBron if you want to, but. This really would have done it for taking a Phoenix team that hasn't been anywhere close to tasting a championship in years and getting that opportunity. Sure, it's great that you've been there, but you know, I remember, um, I, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, I think it was, it was when the Niners made the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan said, you know, you were, oh no, it was John Lynch that said it. You remember who goes to a championship? But then you always remember who wins. You don't remember who goes. You remember who wins. And I think that's the thing yeah. in any sport. Yeah. And I think that's the thing you, right now with exactly. Chris Paul is you can talk all about yeah, he brought Phoenix there, but you didn't win it. And and that's that's the only sour taste think, in my mouth. Think but, about it this way. Your 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 kids or your grandkids, if they ask you about when they ask you about Chris Paul, you can go on and on and tell them how good Chris Paul was. But if they Google them themselves, they'll see, oh, he didn't win a ring. You know, just to see a zero. It does, it does, even though you could go on and on for 20 minutes about Chris Paul, it doesn't, it doesn't show it to the next on paper. Back to yeah. what you said about um, his legacy, I think this is like the perfect analogy for like he had like everything to gain, but he didn't have anything to lose. So like if he lost the finals, like he's still Chris Paul. But like if he won, then he had like everything to gain. Then he would have had like a perfect um, career. Resume, yeah. Good call. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, and I see exactly your point. Chris Paul has he has an illustrious career in front of him. Like exactly your point. Like he didn't have much to lose, but he had a lot to gain. Yeah, yeah you you lot. summed that up. You yeah you summed that up perfectly. He had a lot to gain in that in that one moment, and it's it's unfortunate that I just didn't really see it from him that he he wanted it in that term of things, and I think a lot of that had to do with. Devin Booker kind of just ran things late in the game. At least that's from from my point of view, from what yeah. I watched. And I and I and I and I, and I didn't like that. I like this. This is Chris Paul's thing as the point guard to run this thing, and Devin Booker be the Robin to his Batman. Let Chris Paul do his thing, and let everyone else kind of feed off of that. That's what the Phoenix Suns do, and I feel like Booker going ISO kind of just screwed that whole thing up for them, and and it just ruined the momentum in terms of the thing for Phoenix? The thing is, is the last few games, uh, games, you know, three, I think the two Milwaukee games and the last game after that, Chris Paul has been like completely shut down. And, you know, people are wondering, yo, is he hurt? Cause you know, he, those are the, he's getting five turnovers a game and he yeah. don't do that. Right. He's they're like, yo, what's up with his hand? He's just losing the handle it's of it. Pressure. It's, it's so, so, so it's either almost half court. Exactly. So it's either he's, he's choking or he's hurt, but then when he plays decent, they're not going to be like, oh, he's hurt, right? It's it's not like that. So the fact that, you know, he's kind of, you know, the pressure's getting too much to him, and you're putting on Drew Holiday, who's just putting him in Alcatraz. Clamp, you got yeah. You got to go, like, there's no other option, right? That's why you were saying Ay- Aiton's not getting his shots. It's because Chris Paul can't see over Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's pressing him from the free throw line on the other side. He can't find Aiton from all the way over there. Right, he's got to work just to even look to find DeAndre Aiden. So that's why Aiden, you you take out Chris Paul, now Aiden, and now it's just Booker going ISO. You can't win games like that. Yeah, that's a that's a solid point. And I think going back to Io's point about how Phoenix didn't build the wall, I think the the issue there, and I mentioned this early on too, is with what wall? Like like what are you going to build? You got Aiden, and then you got Kaminsky off the bench. And you know what's funny? B, you called this early on losing. Sarich might have been a bigger loss than we anticipated because that's another added guy with length that could have mm-hmm. helped them out in that regard. 
I know Dario Saric ain't, you know, Dirk Nowitzki or anything or like a guy who can, you know, make a huge impact. But that's one extra guy with size Mm -hmm. that could have really helped them in that regard. But that's my thing there is Phoenix can do all they want to build a wall. But what are you going to build a wall with with what? They just have a bunch of guards in DeAndre Ayton. So I, I, to your um... point. What's it called? Toronto like had a similar size as Phoenix. Yeah, no, I don't think and, like Marcus. You got you got you got Mikel Bridges who's nice and long. Jay yeah. Crowder who's super physical. Cam Johnson who's long. It's not that they didn't oh, have the Cam guys. Johnson. Me, that's who they didn't utilize this whole series. Oh my god. Yeah, that's Cam a- Johnson was big in that one Milwaukee game, and he yeah, scored he like 12, 12 in a row. But those those four guys should be enough. But to me, honestly, it's more. I don't think it's it's Monty. It's uh, to me, it's more Giannis. And like the pre, even earlier in this playoffs, you know, he he's bringing up the ball and he's just going in a straight line. And yep. in the Brook in the Brooklyn series, he figured it out. And for, since that Brooklyn series, he's been doing it every time. He he gets to that left side, attacks on a forty-five, but he does it from like the you know the mid-range area, so they don't have enough time to really build a wall and gang up on him. Because when he's bringing up the ball full court, all five guys have their eyes on him. Right? He has the ball on the mid range, on the short corner, it's not, it's not a little bit different. He, I think he figured something out and getting Aiton in foul trouble, who's managed to stay clean this whole postseason was really big. Yeah, no, that's a, I did, that is a good call too. Um, it's yeah. Good series, man. I was very happy with the outcome. Yeah, no, absolutely. It it really was in the end of things. And, you know, as much as you could say, yeah, sure, you know, size may have not been a thing. But, and yeah, they could have used Crowder. They could have used Bridges and all that. But, you know, it's funny. When we were talking about the Brooklyn series, too, you're right. Giannis definitely did figure it out because we were getting all on him beforehand about how he was taking, not just him, but the whole Bucks team was taking so many damn threes. Then all of a sudden, you see in the NBA Finals, Giannis is driving again. He's taking less threes. He's passing up threes. He instead he's sitting, he's faking, and then making a move. And we were saying all along, if he does that, he's unstoppable in the paint. It's over. So I think he realized it. Yeah, he did realize it. Yeah, absolutely. But the the thing I take away from this series is, uh, I think I think the better team won. Right? Like they got the best player in the series. He's putting on a historic, you know, run. I feel like it'd be wrong for that team to lose. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah I agree. Yeah, no, I, that is a fair point. And I think we all knew all along that the Bucks had the more talented team going into this series, really the entire playoffs. Like, we knew the potential that this team had. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad they they showed it and they ended up winning it and and Giannis no question i think earned is earned is not even a word that i think is is just an understatement for the way that Giannis went and put on the line in that series was just again like i mentioned just sensational um one more thing Io, before we let you go i do want to ask you the nba draft is next week i'm not sure how much you've been following that or anything but is there anything you're looking forward to heading into that for the nba drafts Yep. Um. No, no. I'm already locked in on the teams I'm full. So. Fair enough. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Anyways, Io, it was great having you on, talking you about the me. about the finals. We will most definitely have you on again in the future. Always a pleasure talking ball with you, and we will uh, catch up with you soon, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Take care, man. Well, I, I guess this is a good transition then into the the legacy talk between Chris Paul and Giannis. We can go a little more deep into this after we, we brought it up two weeks ago. But um, I guess we talked about it a little bit more in here. But so the Bucks win, the Suns lose. Chris Paul does not get his ring. Giannis does get his ring. I would say this going into i guess you could say now the 2020s this is kind of like the a new generation now right the, the 2010s each decade's kind of like a new generation i would say giannis now puts himself in the conversation for one of the players of this newer generation rather chris paul you know we don't know how much longer he's going to end up playing but i think if he just retires without having a ring he'll be more of yeah, he was one of the greatest point guards in NBA history, but 
I'll never really put him in that category of the best. I think that's the way that I would look at it from here on out. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris Paul, the thing, the hard part about Chris Paul is he came up in the era where guards were just like, we just had so many crazy good guards, right? Like, do you think he was ever, I mean, like at his peak, like when he came into the league, you know, Steve Nash is winning MVPs, right? Then like later on, he was got really good, really good. But, you know, like Westbrook was like winning MVPs. Then it was Curry winning MVPs and championships. So, like, he's, like, even Derrick Rose won an MVP during his time. So, like, all these guards be winning MVPs, and he doesn't get one. He doesn't get a championship. So, like, I know longevity counts for something at the end of the day. But, like, if we're talking, like, peak, that's what some people go after, right? Yo, how good was he in his prime? And we talked about this the other day. Like, Isaiah – you know, he, he don't have the longevity things, but Isaiah Thomas in he has in, in in the finals games, fourth quarter games, Chris Paul was really never the guy to, you know, let me take over. He did it a few times this postseason, which is on Chris Paul like, but Isaiah Thomas was that dude, right? He's like, No, give me the ball, I'm taking over. And that's something that is really rare for a small guard because small guards and we see it with Chris Paul every year. Small guards, if you're six feet you can't go deep in the postseason without getting dinged up. It's just too physical of play. And Chris Paul's always dinged up. And it's just like, you can't, it's it's really tough to to win rings being that small. Yeah, no, that is a good point. And see, that's, that's exactly what I was waiting for in game five or even yesterday in game six. I was just waiting for that one moment where somebody for Phoenix just starts draining threes. When Jay Crowder started getting going, I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be Jay Crowder. And then he started missing. And then I'm like, maybe it's going to be Cam Payne, maybe it's going to be Cam Johnson. But I was just trying, I was just waiting for it to happen. But that's a great point that you mentioned. Chris Paul did it at the end of the Clippers series. He did it at the end of the Nuggets series. He just took matters into his own hands. He did it in, he did it in game one of, of the finals too. Yep, yeah, he dropped 32 in game one, and it seemed like anything after that, it just, he wasn't himself. I mean, you're right, he dropped 32 in game one, 23 in game two, 19, 10, 21, and then 26 in game six, although it for some reason didn't really feel like it was a, you know, a a 26 that made a big difference in the game. But that's what I was waiting for, is someone to take over, because Giannis, right from the tip-off, I'm like, this guy wants it. Like, he just did not stop, kept his foot on the gas pedal, and it was just, it was his game on his court. But that's a great call that, that you mentioned about CP3 just not really taking over the game. And I, I honestly don't really know what it was yeah, that was going four, on. Game game four was brutal. I can't believe how badly he played in that game. Like, yep. really bad. Like, but... We got remember last week we were, we were trashing on Drew Holiday and we got to give him so many so much props for the defense he played. Absolutely, he, he hit shots in Game Five. Game Five, can you believe that? The strip at the end. They're they're first of all, they're up one at this point to go for the strip, right? Because if you get a foul, Booker goes to the line and Booker hits two free throws and then you're down one. He goes for the strip, gets the ball. All he can do is wait it out, shoot free throws. Game's done. No, no, he doesn't even wait it out. He throws a lob to Giannis. Like, how ballsy of a play was that? The whole sequence. Drew Holiday was amazing. Chris Middleton and Graham's, you know, four, five, and six hit big shots after big shots after big shots. And that's somebody we weren't really too sure had that in him all the time, right? You know, which Chris Middleton are we getting today? Which one? Is it the good one? Is it the bad one? We didn't really know. Both teams, we kind of had question marks. Who's going to close? Who's really that guy? Because both teams are kind of inconsistent that way. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that sequence was just absolutely insane. And Holiday was great. And it's funny when you look at all of these uh, for Giannis, Middleton, and Drew, it seemed like they finally put everything together in game five. And it was kind of nice to watch because they're really the whole playoffs. It's like, imagine what would happen if all three where lights out on the same night because it just never happened. It's either Giannis has a good night, Middleton plays like trash. Middleton has an amazing night, Drew plays like trash. Like they just, they could not put, they could not all have a good game on the same night and they finally put it together in game five. But the other point that I want to get to is that 
no one really had a truly bad night. The worst it was was, I think, Middleton had 11 in game two. Not a good night at all. Drew had 10 in no, game Drew one. Had, Drew's had, Drew had a few bad games, dude. He shot yeah. four for 20. He had some really bad offensive games. But deep, the thing is, you know what's weird is we – I swear the NBA – Every NBA fan always loved up, loved Drew Holiday, right? I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan, but I, I guess none of us really knew because we didn't get to see him game in and game out when he was in New Orleans, right? Yeah. Maybe he was just always this inconsistent on offense, right? So now when we're watching it on the biggest stage, we're like, oh wait, this is the dude they traded five first round picks for. He's missing yeah. layups and all this. But like the thing is, the thing that's so good about playing defense is you can't have a bad defensive game, right? It's just pure yeah. effort. Yeah. No, that's a that is definitely a good call. Um, yeah, because right, even I'll be honest, like I always always knew about Drew Holiday, but yeah, I've never watched him like that when he was with New Orleans. But yeah, all Milwaukee, like you mentioned, when it's the playoffs and it's game seven against Brooklyn or the Eastern Conference Finals against the Hawks, or yeah, the biggest stage in all of basketball in the NBA finals, yeah, you're gonna watch him up close. And yeah, maybe he was that inconsistent, but when it came down to when he needed to make a play. He showed up in game six by making that defensive play, not on the offensive side, but on the defensive mm-hmm. side. And then in game five, man pops off for 27 points was great. But I want to go back to Phoenix here because they really, really needed CP3, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton to all play very well. They needed all three of them to be at their best selves. DeAndre Ayton struggled mightily in this series. 10 points in, great in game two. Six points in game four, horrible. And then 12 in game six, and he got off to a really rocky start. Devin Booker had that awful game three with 10 points. And then, like you mentioned, CP3 had a really bad game four. And I just feel like the Suns could not afford any of those three to have that kind of a night on, you know, obviously Booker followed it up with with 240 pieces. So I guess that's okay. But Devin Booker just seemed like he was asking for fouls all the time in game six. And that's meanwhile, not the way the Suns play. He's the one, meanwhile, he's the one that's playing with nine fouls because they don't call him on any. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, like, like, that's my thing. I don't, I don't understand that. And I guess I, I should have brought this up before when I was here, but he was talking about after the game yesterday of how so many people have been talking about the Suns versus the refs and, and how like people have been talking about that and old Devin Booker's in. It's like, Man, please! Like that's not that is not how the Phoenix yeah Suns the whole got Scott here. Foster thing you mean you yes know, Chris Paul's yes. all in thirteen with Scott Foster yeah like yep. and it, hey I mean the two games Scott Foster ref DeAndre Ayton was in major foul trouble but then again there's the game that Devin Booker clearly got fouled out clearly had like three fouls after he had five fouls he literally intentionally tried to do it and they didn't foul him out in that game so I don't know what you're trying to tell me. If they're saying the the ref was in the favor of the Bucks, if Devin Book is not getting fouled out in that game, I don't know. It's just a lot of loser talk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's no question. Like I don't like to. Sure. Do ref do refs make boneheaded decisions in sports? Absolutely. You can get upset at officiating. It happens, especially when it's your favorite team. It happens. But I never like to blame the refs on like the reason. Like that's the reason why my team lost a game. I hate doing that. It's like, no, like you, you, your guys are out there making plays. It's either it works or it doesn't bottom line. Yeah. How about you don't get out rebounded by 20, right? Like, yeah. How about you don't turn over the ball 10 more times than the other team turned over? Like those yeah. are things you can control, right? Like it's, it's not- absolutely, absolutely. And it's just about, and in, this happened at the end of game five where it's like, it just one, you one turning board. over the ball at the end of the game. Oh yeah, that, exactly. The offensive rebounds yep. killing them. Exactly. Off the Boards. free throw, off a of free throw, like yes. stuff like that. It's not, exactly. how can you not box out and then point, oh, well, Scott Foster was ref in that game. Like, how does that make any sense? You mm-hmm. literally couldn't just grab the rebound. And like, exactly. Know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a very fair point. Exactly. Simple things like, yeah, boxing out, getting a board. Um, you they know, add these, up. The small things add up, man. They absolutely do. And I feel and like those things. That's one thing that I do give Bud props for. You know, the Popovich tree, always about the attention to detail on the little things. Always. Yeah. No, no, no question. And I feel like that's something that I just, again, I, I felt that the Bucks wanted it more. And like you mentioned about the little things in a game matter, when you really want something, when you are that close to a championship and you want it, those little things are 
everything. Free throws are crucial. Boards are crucial. You know, playing defense, getting stops, they're all so crucial where it's to the point where you can't just be driving and just, you know, asking for fouls all the time. And You're not, not going to win back like on that. defense. Yeah. Exactly. And then one of the things is like, yeah, okay, so maybe PJ Tucker's not, I don't really know why PJ Tucker's playing in this series. You're not getting a lot of points. I mean, not really guarding anybody either who he's supposed to be guarding. He's just kind of, they're hiding Chris Paul on him, right? Okay, let's hide Chris Paul on him. But then, you know, little things, right? PJ Tucker is going to crash the glass every single time. And Chris Paul, small little six-foot Chris Paul is going to have to box out P.J. Tucker on every single play. And then those bruises are going to add up, right? That's why he's just getting dinged up and dinged up. Even though, you know, P.J. Tucker's a zero, he's not scoring any points or anything. Just his sheer effort, making a star, a small guy like Chris Paul having to do just a little bit more on every play, picking him up full court. He has to do a little bit more on every play, every single minute he's out there. Adds up, especially if you're 36 years old. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, it's simple things like hustling back and and all that stuff. It's it it matters a lot. And the the one thing I will say this for Phoenix is again, we all know they're a really young team. This is Devin Booker's first time on this stage. I mean, sure, he's been to a Final Four with Kentucky. That was a big stage, but the NBA Finals is is definitely an even bigger stage. And I I think he'll learn from this. I think Aiton will learn from this. You know, this like I mentioned before, this is very valuable experience for Phoenix and this young team. And they learned a lot from this. And I'm sure even if Chris Paul moves on, you know, Chris Paul taught them a lot. And that is something that, you know, you can't, you know, take away from anything. And I know, like, like you mentioned, you know, when you look back at someone's career after they've retired, you know, years from now, you're like, Oh, what, you know, how, how come that, that player didn't win a championship? They were so good and blah, blah, blah. Like that's the thing that you look at. But for the people that watch basketball day in and day out, like you and me and, and a lot of other people, you know, we'll always remember Chris Paul's leadership, what he did to these young teams, especially in these last two years is, you know, something I wish got more credit for it, to be honest. And, and I also do want to, you know, give a little bit more credit here to Monty Williams for just, this has nothing to do with the game, but just for the person he is, how he went into the Bucks locker room after the game, considering all he's been through, being speechless in the press conference, and still went into the Bucks locker room, said congratulations to them. I cannot, you know, say how, what a class act that is. And Monty Williams showed that the entire playoffs, really the entire season, the guy sets the standard for what a great head coach needs to be. I know you were talking about, you know, boot and holes are going from the pop tree and all that, but that, you know, that has to do with more on the basketball side of things. Not saying Monty doesn't. Monty knows a crap ton of, but, you know, from basketball, but even just from a, just from a leadership standpoint, Monty mm-hmm. Williams has yeah. done an absolutely sensational job there. And both of these coaches did an incredible job when it came down to it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Big props to Phoenix and, you know, they shouldn't They shouldn't really be too upset because of, of this loss. Like, if you were to tell a, a Phoenix fan, yo, you guys are going to lose in the finals six months ago, they're going to like, what, really? Like, they're playing with house money for the last four months, right? So, yep. it, at the end, it's, it's, a, it's a huge overachievement for a team like that, a huge win of a season. And, like, the fact that there's no way it should go as a negative that Chris Paul didn't win this finals. Like, you're going to – tell me that this team that would have been an eight seed without him, he brings them to the NBA finals. And just because he doesn't win, it's a negative. No, it's, it, there's no, this is, this has to do give them points rather than to make him lose points. Yeah, no, no question. And the bigger picture, absolutely. Um, the only thing I'll say is, yeah, a ring would have helped him in terms of the conversation of one of the best players or one of the best point guards to ever play the game. That's the only thing I'll say where this finals definitely hindered that conversation because the way that I'll say talk about Chris Paul going forward, if if he remains without a ring going forward, that is, I'd be like, yeah, he was a really great player, one of one of the best point guards. But I wouldn't put him in the conversation. Well, yeah, he was the best point guard. That's his, the only his legacy, thing. His legacy has been set in stone since literally that last Houston round, when yep. that most people thought that was his last chance at a championship. Yeah. Right. So nope. like yep. not not much has changed from then. If anything, it could only get we kind of I feel like after that Houston series, most people came to terms that he wasn't gonna win a championship. And then the fact that he even made a finals after that, I mean it, it can only go 
it's pretty much his legacy is solidified. If anything, it went up during this run. Yep. No, no question. And I think, you know, one more thing to add to Phoenix too, like you mentioned, you know, when you're a really young team and you don't have a lot of experience, it's going to be emotional, right? Devin Booker, Aiden, Bridges, all these guys, you know, they they haven't tasted this in a while. So it's going to hurt. Monty Williams has never coached in the finals as a head coach, right? That's going to hurt. And obviously he's he's dealt with a lot of really tough stuff off the court, you know, that have been tough. And this would have been an, an incredible achievement for him. It's going to be emotional. For Chris Paul, you know, we don't need to talk about it. We, we know why why it's emotional for him. Jay Crowder losing two straight years. That's tough too. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But in the bigger picture, absolutely. There's nothing to, you know, be be that upset about. Phoenix did something, yeah, nobody thought they were able to do. was just get to an NBA Finals with the road that they did. And I know there were injuries, but... LeBron still played all those games. You know, the Clippers still gave them, right? And Jokic played every game. You still, got, you still got to win the games at the end of the day. Exactly, right? And it's funny. Everyone talks about all the injuries and all that, but LeBron, we talk about him like he's, you know, God on the basketball court. You know, he's been the best player of this generation or the last two decades, whatever. He was healthy. He was on the court playing basketball. He seemed like he wanted to give up near the near the end of, of, game, six, of game five and six. And Suns kicked their ass. Jokic and, was and Chris on the- Paul. Chris Paul was hurt too. It's not like they didn't have their mm-hmm. own injuries. Yep. Yes, sir. Exactly. They injured their own injury. Jokic played all four of those games. He was the MVP all year long. That didn't seem to matter. And Paul George showed up. And I know he's. If Kawhi Leonard was playing with vice versa, it would have maybe been a little different. But there's still a lot of talent there. They still earned their way there. Beat three very very good teams. Yeah, I know they, they weren't out full health. Exactly. That's I think that, that that's the bottom line here. But this that was Milwaukee's night. This is their year. Um, and once again, just congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, their fan base, Deer District, Fear the Deer, all that stuff. You know, just it, it's a great time for them. You know, first time in 50 years. Enjoy it. And the way it's looking, at least I mean, we'll have all, all offseason and heading into next season. We'll talk about this over and over again. But I think the Bucks are in are in great shape. Heading into next year, we're talking about going going for two, going for back to back. I I like their chances if, if they keep majority of this team together. Yeah, I mean it's the same squad, and I feel like now they're playing without without the monkey on their back. I feel like next year even we're gonna get a way more consistent Chris Middleton, way more, you know, playing free of thoughts, Giannis. Like none of these guys are gonna have the pressure. Budenholzer's not gonna be like on the hot seat all year. It's just going to be like a sigh of relief for them. And when you're yeah. playing with they're, – they're now they're going to be the team that's playing with no pressure, no nothing, and it's just like, you know what? Like sometimes if you play with no – the game just a lot easier. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And, again, if Giannis keeps working on his game and he just gets better, Middleton just gets better, it's – I mean, the sky truly is the limit for this team and it's it's funny i don't think if i'm correct Giannis did Giannis played almost every minute yesterday did he not dude i don't this dude is an alien he's actually an alien doing it on both sides and every every game you see how like he's breathing so heavy his chest is coming up to his chin i don't know how he does he's an alien an actual alien yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, no, he only sat for six minutes, played 42, Middleton played 41. And it's funny, before the game, I said it too. I said, and I, this was from literally just pure intuition. I just said, I'm like, for some reason, I get in the vibe that Mike Budenholzer is just not going to give a crap about this game. He's like, I'm, I'm I'm, putting Giannis and Middleton for as long as I need to. And that's exactly what he did. And 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 they did whatever was necessary. So, and you know. The crazy thing is both teams were like, they didn't really, like at the end of the day, both teams were so depleted, like literally so depleted. On the Bucks side, you know, Connaughton played really well these last few games, but he did. They played big, big minutes. Like they just basically took Brook Lopez out the rotation for a lot of the game. Portis played fantastic yesterday, but like yes. really, they're they're playing on on five dudes, really, right? Forbes ain't get no time. Divincenzo's out. Really, five dudes that are getting minutes on that team now. And then yep. the same thing in Phoenix. It's maybe six guys that are getting minutes. When Aiton, you see how big of a deal it is when Aiton gets into foul trouble. Oh, yeah. It's like, sheesh, like, what can we do now? They're playing Torrey Craig at the four. It's just like a mess. They really, 
both teams are super depleted at the end of the day. Yeah, no, no question. That's exactly what I said earlier, that Phoenix really needs, like if there's one thing to to do in the offseason, get some more big guys because they were lacking. Exactly, you mentioned once Aiden got in foul trouble, it was, oh boy, you know, they're in some trouble now. And I'm glad you brought up Bobby Portis because, man, I just came to my mind. I'm like, man, how have we gone almost an hour and we haven't even brought up Bobby Portis? You know, we've been talking about all, all series, you know, who's going to be that that one guy off the bench when it counts. Bobby Portis was that guy last night. 16 points was phenomenal off the bench. Um, you know, shout out to him on an incredible game that was. But, I mean, what a, what a season, what a series. The whole playoffs, you know, was a, was a ton of fun. A lot of entertainment, a lot of drama as always. I don't know what the heck we're going to do for this month, <laughs> for this month of August um, ahead of NFL season. But, you know, we'll figure it out as we go. Be final thoughts before we end this one off. Man. This this postseason, the fans involved, like, you know, the Madison Square Garden packed, the sixty five thousand outside of Milwaukee, compared to last season, it just it was just so special. So special. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was really nice. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I mean, I, I thought the bubble was really, really fun. Uh it was just great basketball, but no question. To have the fans back in home court, it was it was it really, really special. Mattered. It really mattered in the finals. Yeah, it, it really did. And I think it will be fair game next year when our Raptors are back home and, and we'll be able to go to games again. I think, you know, that's the only thing that felt a little odd because right? everyone else got that normalcy. Obviously didn't make the playoffs this year, but, you know, knowing that, you know, they're back, but we're not really back. So hopefully next season we're all back. But yeah, no question. It was It was awesome to have the crowd back there for the playoffs and it, it felt normal. That's the word, man. That's been the key word in sports is just having things back to normal. And I can't wait to see NFL stadiums packed in full capacity come September. I mean, that's going to be a huge difference from where we were a year ago as well. So cannot wait for that. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks on becoming NBA champions. And also congratulations to the Suns once more on an absolutely fantastic season. But that will do it from this week's episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And next week, we got the drafts, NBA draft preview next week. B, want to put a little preview in there? Oh, man. I'm doing my studying up on some of these G League guys. I got a hot take coming up next week. Be ready. B's got another hot take. His Chris Paul one didn't come true, so let's see if this one know. will. I don't know why I expected it to come true. Like, it was actually... Hey, true. hey, I honestly, it wasn't a bad take. Honestly, it's just unfortunately didn't get to Game 7 and we I couldn't should. see it. But it wasn't yeah. a bad one. But anyways, that will do it from this week's episode. We got the draft next week, so stay tuned, keep it locked, and we will see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Baller Island. We got a lot more content coming your way, so make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.